as we continue our series, um, seeing the current events through the lens of the gospel, we had a huge thing happen this past week. Does anybody remember what event happened this past week, especially in our nation? Yes, Noah. Noah, raise your hand first. What? The election. Yes. So today we're going to have a lesson. We are honored to have the uh, youth pastor, associate pastor from Eureka Bible Church, Tim Franks here. And he is going to walk us through how to view the election through the lens of the gospel. So as he comes up, welcome him with a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can you hear me all right? Sound all right? All right. Well, thank you. I hope you guys are, uh, I'm just glad to be here with you all. I, I love this this uh, church. I love this student ministry. Um, ever since I walked in the doors of Eureka Bible Church, I felt partnership with this church. But we're back, start work, start, I started working with John and then now with Kent and Tom. I know Tom well and a lot of others in your, in your ministry and your church. So it is a blessing for me to be here tonight. So are you guys excited to be here? You guys got, you guys got, like, well, I guess I see a lot of 7-Ups, not a lot of Mountain Dew going on, so I guess I was going to say there's a lot of, but caffeine, there's not a lot of caffeine going on. All right, well, tonight, um, you guys have been going through this whole series um, on the topic of how the gospel speaks to current events. So I just wanted to, my, my son, so just to know a little bit about myself, so I have been married, I just actually this weekend celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary with my wife, Alicia, so we've been married 10 years. And um, so we have, th we have three kids. My son, Michael, over here, he's in sixth grade. And um, we also have our two girls. Uh, Marlena's in kindergarten. She's five. And Macy, our youngest, is three years old. So we have th our three kids. And um, so this weekend, we actually did something really cool. We bought a van because we needed a van because we have five of us. So we really needed a new car. So we got a van, and it is awesome. It is a Honda Odyssey, and I love it. So I'm really excited to have a van. So I just, that has nothing to do with my lesson. I just wanted to tell you. So, <laughs> All right. So, um, so my son asked me today, why did I decide to wear this jersey tonight? Well, there's two reasons. First, my friend Kent over here is an amazing NBA fan like I am. He does not like the Lakers, but he is an NBA fan. And so I wanted to wear this in honor of my brother who's an NBA fan. But I also wanted to wear this because I wanted us to remind it that this, this jersey, so this is Kobe Bryant's jersey. And so this, this was kind of the beginning of the downward spiral, spiral for 2020 for a lot of people, including myself, because I am a huge Lakers fan. I was a big Kobe fan. And when he passed away in the helicopter accident at the beginning of the year, that was kind of the beginning, right? We had that. Then in March, kind of COVID hit the USA. Uh, we had all those issues. And then we had all the race riots all over the place in the country. And then we had this big election this past week, right? It wasn't election day. It was election week. It, it, and it's, it's interesting that it just ended yesterday as we have this conversation. Literally, I mean, maybe it's not over for some of you. Maybe you think it isn't, but it seems like it's pretty much over at this point. He was, Joe Biden was declared the winner. So the, the election has kind of come to a close here. And so it's been a whole week. It's been kind of crazy in our country, right? Been very difficult. Uh, but tonight, I want to kind of address how we should respond or how we should think about this as Christians. How do we think about this, this topic of our interaction with government and our, our talking about the election? And so we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of passages of Scripture, 
and we're going to really dive into, as Christians, how can we respond to something like this? And I want to start by saying that I had told our students in the weeks past, talking about this election, that no matter what happens, we must trust in God. God is in control over everything that happens in this world, everything that happens to you personally, everything that happens with governments. And so no matter what was going to happen, whether President Trump won again, Joe Biden won, or there's a long three months of, of you know, in the courts and everything, well, not, no matter what happens, we trust in God that he has a plan for us. And so that's, that's where I want to start tonight. I want us to be reminded that God is in control. And I hope that you see it that way. I hope that you understand that even if your candidate didn't win, even if your parent, the ones your parents was telling you was the best one and you heard about it, even if you didn't get to, we didn't get to vote, but you had heard your parents probably talk about the election and maybe who they would want to vote for, maybe, you're, maybe they didn't win. But that does not mean that God is off his throne. He's still there, and we can trust in that. So let's, let's kind of dive in a little bit and talk about some passages of Scripture that can help us to think through this. So the first part I want to talk about is that we must, we must, as we come across the interaction with government, when we think about the election, is the idea of respecting those that God put in authority. You got that first one up there, thanks. Kent. So talking about the word respect. So let me ask you, I want some, some participation. What does the word respect mean? What does it mean to respect? Respect authority, maybe specifically. What does that mean? Anybody want to answer that? What does it mean to respect authority? What does that look like? Maybe you can give me an example, Michael. Okay, so what does it look like to respect your parents? Okay, so be obedient to what do they say to you. What else? What else do we think about when we hear the word respect? What would be a way that you could respect your teachers? What's your name? Same. Go ahead. Don't talk back to them. Be nice to them. Listen to them. Yeah, for sure. Anybody else? What was your name? L, okay. Yeah, listen to them when you're in class. So there, there's ways that, that we can respect, right? Well, God also calls us to respect those he puts in authority over us in a bigger manner. Not just, our parents is huge, right? And our teachers, those are things. But like in a national sense, God puts in place certain people in government. And so let's read a passage of scripture that helps teach us that. So um, do you have it up there? Okay, I can just read it. It's not a problem. So we're looking at Romans chapter 13. So if you have a Bible on your phone, you want to look at it, if you have one with you, we're going to be in Romans chapter 13, and this is verse, the verses 1 through 7. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. This is what Paul writes. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Do you hear that? No authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rules are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also the sake for conscience. For because of you, this also you will pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, re revenue to revenue who is owed, respect to respect who is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And so that passage teaches us very clearly that God has instituted, he has put into place who is in our government. 
Now, that doesn't mean we always have to like who's there. We may not vote for that person, but we do believe that God is in control. We do believe that God has put those per- people into place, and so we need to respect. Now, let me, let me, be, let me have a Pastor Tim honest, with you, honest time with you. I don't do very well with this sometimes. I say things, I do things that make it seem like I, I probably am not always a good example to my own kids sometimes about how I, I act with this. To, I, so I have um, a person in, that's in my ancestry that was part of the Reformation. You guys have heard the Reformation before. About 500 years ago, Martin Luther kind of broke off from the Catholic Church, and now we're Protestants. That's where our churches come from. So Martin Luther, so there was a guy 100 years after that. His name was August Hermann Franke, which is my name, and Franke is Franks in German. And so that's my ancestor. He was a reformer, and he really uh, liked to change things and do things and, and rebel against things, and that's in my blood. So that's how I act sometimes. Sometimes I like to rebel. I like to go against authority. And, and honestly, with this election even, I've been, I've been reminded by the Lord that I need to respect the authorities over me, even if I don't agree with them sometimes, whether it's our governor, whether it's our president, our mayor, whoever it is. God calls us to respect them. I promise you, there's going to be days, there's going to be times where it's not easy to do that. And honestly, there is, honest, there is times. There's, pl- there's people all across the world that are facing governments that are telling them to do things against their faith. And those are times where maybe you have to step in and say, okay, God is telling me that I need to, r- to go against this authority. But in most situations, especially in America right now, in most situations, we need to respect the authority that's been placed over us. That's not going to be easy sometimes, but we got to do it because that's what Scripture calls us to do. Does that make sense? It's, the Scripture calls us to respect, so we need to do that. All right, let's go to number two. So number two is the idea that we need to engage, engagement. So one of the things that uh, happens sometimes when we think about politics, what I've seen a lot with the younger generation, is a tendency to want to not even think about politics, to just I don't even care about it. It doesn't really matter to me. It's not that important. It, I don't want to fight. You know, some of you just don't like to battle. You don't want to think about those things. And so one of the easy things for us to do is just run away from it. Just disregard it. I don't care. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. But we as Christians don't have the luxury of just stepping away from things. Our whole faith is represented in everything we do. So we can't just walk away from one part of what's going on in the world and just be like, I don't care about that. I don't need that. We need to engage in it. So that means we need to think about it. We need to be informed. We need to read things. Even as young people like you, you should be informed by what's going on in our country. You should know about politicians. You should know about what they believe, what their, what their platforms are, because it's going to help you in the future to be able to know, what is, who is am I going to vote for? What's my conscience say that I should I be voting for in this situation? You know, what, what are the different beliefs? What are the things as Christians, that, what does the Bible say about about these issues. And so it's important for us to engage continuously. Can, I want to read another passage of scripture for you to help us with this. Uh, this comes from uh, 1 Peter. So we'll be in 1 Peter chapter 2. So I'm going to open up that passage and, and read it. 1 Peter chapter 2. Got my little Bible here. It's hard to open up the pages. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 13 and following. So again, chapter 2 of 1 Peter, starting in verse 13. 
It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it to be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants for God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so what you see in this passage is, again, is a reminder to us that we are subject to those that God has put in place in our government. Again, it's not always easy to do that, but God calls us to do that. As long as they're not asking us to do something that's very directly against our Christian beliefs, against the gospel, we should be subject to those in, go in government. But I also want you to see here that it says in verse 16, live as people who are free. One of the great things we have at least right now in our country, may not always be this way, but one of the great things we have in our country right now is that we have freedom. We have freedom to meet as churches, though the COVID days has brought some little bit of changes with that. But in general, we always have freedom to meet, to, to worship, to, to do the things in our life, to make choices, to vote. So I would encourage you, yes, there's not a lot that you can do right now, but get, be informed. Think about these issues. Don't run away from these hard issues that are going on in our world. It could be easy for us to just want to reject them because we don't want to battle with it. We're young. We don't care. It doesn't really matter to me right now. But I would encourage you to think about these issues. Engage in them. Let, use the freedom that God has given you in this country and really think deeply about what the, what the platforms of these politicians are. And think about maybe who you would vote for in an election like we just had. But it also calls us to to honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And so those things are things that we do as, as followers of Christ. And that's I, I just think it's part of being a Christian is that we are to honor everyone in the way that we respond to the election like we just had. You know, you're going to have people in your life that are going to think differently than you. And your entire life, it's going to be that way. You're going to have people that vote for, vote for a different candidate, think about differently about this issue, and you can debate them, you can talk to them about that, but do it in love. Be, engage them. Think about it. It's the same thing when we have differences of opinion about this, about the Bible. We should think through them. We should debate about it. We should talk about it. But we do it in love. We honor each other. Because every one of you that's sitting in this room right now is made in the image of God. And so it doesn't matter if we ha think, have a difference of opinion about a, a political figure or about a platform as long as it's something that's not a gospel issue, we should be willing to talk about it and work it out and debate it and think about it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't run away from it. So engagement, we must be serious about engaging the issues as Christians. We can't run away from them because if we do, when you get older, it's going to be a lot harder for you. It's, you're going to have a lot more trouble thinking through those things as you get older. You need to start now. Understand what these politicians believe. Understand what the hard issues of the day are and work through them. This year this year's been a very difficult year, 2020, hasn't it? It's been difficult, right? We've had some hard days with the COVID stuff, with the race issues, with the election that we've just had. It's been some hard days, but we should think through them. How, what does the Bible have to say about each and every one of these issues? Don't walk away from them. Engage them. Think about them, because it's important to know those things. The other, um, the, one of the other passages I just wanted to quickly talk about um, before we move into the third point, was First uh, Timothy chapter two, 
verses 1 and 2. So just follow along as I, I read this passage real quick from 1 Timothy that goes along with the idea of engagement. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 and 2. It says, first of all, then I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So one of the things that I think is important about engagement is prayer. We need to pray for those that are in high positions, those that are governors, mayors, people in the courts, and our president. We need to pray for that. One of, one of my friends, after yesterday's decision, asked me, what am I supposed to do if I, don't, if I don't agree with this candidate? How am I supposed to deal with my respecting this authority? I said, you need to pray for him. Even if you disagree with somebody's position, we need to pray for him because God has placed them in that position. God calls us to pray for those in higher authority over us. It's not going to be easy sometimes. I promise you, there was a candidate that I did not vote for when I was younger. He, he was president for eight years, and I prayed for him a lot because I believe that's what God has called me to do. Even if I don't agree with him, even if I'm going to fiercely disagree with a lot of his policies and his positions, I still prayed for him because that's what God calls us to do. So part of engaging in election process is that we pray for those that are in the government. We pray for the election. I prayed so hard during this whole week that the Lord's will would be done. Even if I didn't agree with it, even if it didn't come down my way, I still prayed for this election. And I hope that you will continue to pray for your political people, your mayor, your governor, your president, because that's what God calls us to do. Last point is, is the idea of, of loving God and loving others. So this is, this is where the kind of the gospel-centered idea of dealing with this election comes in. So we're going to look at another passage of Scripture that I think helps us understand this idea of loving God and loving others. So we're going to be in Matthew. We'll be in Matthew chapter 22, and we'll be looking at verses 34 through 40. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. So uh, one of the things that our, our senior pastor, Pastor Aaron Zier, he was preaching, a, he's been preaching in a sermon series on the book of Titus and Philemon. And this past Sunday, he talked about, not today, but the Sunday before, he, he preached about the idea of gospel plus issues. That often we put things on the same par with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of those things that's happened a lot during this election season is putting political figures and political platforms on the level of the gospel. And that's a problem. That there are issues that, that touch the gospel, but there's a lot of issues that are below the gospel that we put on a higher platform than that. And one of the things that does is it leads us to not loving God and not loving others. It really does. It causes us to to demean people by the way, we, the way things we post on social media, the way we talk to each other when we disagree, it tells it really makes us to not love others, and it also takes us away from loving God because the gospel is the center of our relationship. And so let's let's read this Matthew chapter twenty-two passage. So Matthew twenty-two, we're going to start in verse thirty-three. Verse 34, actually. So Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is a, a great question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So what is the greatest of the commandments in the law? And he said to him, 
you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Basically, you love, love God with everything that you are. This is the great and first commandment. And what's the second one? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So this is the, basically the essence of what the gospel message means for our lives. That we are to love God with everything of who we are. So that means that when we think about the election, when we think about the, the in, engagement with government, it means that we should strive to love God in the way we do that. So when it means that we are looking at the issues, the platforms, the issue, all the things that are going on in the country around us, all of us that should be surrounded by the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are sinners, that Christ died on the cross for our sins, that if we have faith and we believe, we confess with our mouths, we will be saved. That is the essence of the gospel, and that's how we live. We love God by the way that we take all of our lives and put the gospel in the center of it. Our marriages in the future, your relationship with your parents, your schoolwork, everything that you do is surrounded by the gospel. And it's, it can be very easy to, to not do that. And especially when it comes to this topic of the election and government, it can be very easy to walk away from the gospel in the way that we engage it, the issues, the way we stand on different issues, the way we think about this, we can walk away from loving God. But he desires for us to love God. And um, our allegiance, I want, I want us to understand that our allegiance starts with, with first with God. Sometimes we think as Christians that our political parties, our candidates, are what puts us on, on par of being a good Christian. But I would say that there is never going to be a perfect candidate. There's never going to be a perfect platform or, or any kind of beliefs from the Republicans, the Democrats, the Independents, whoever it may be. We honor God by honoring those that God puts in authority over us, even if we don't always agree with them. Our votes, but our votes, our support, our decision-making within elections can be honoring to God. We can love God by the way we engage the world by the way that we dis make decisions about elections, by the way we engage the government. Both of those things are true, though we hold those things in tension. We don't put too much emphasis on it, but we also don't put too little emphasis on it. We need to have a, a middle ground, we need to have balance, that we do engage the world, we do engage politics in the election, but we don't do it to the, to the detriment of, of loving God first. We must love God first. And, and the, the coming out of loving God means we love others. A byproduct of loving God is loving other people. Um, I think a lot about how our motivation to love other people is so supernatural as Christians. Christians cannot love other people without the love of God. We could try, but it'll never, it'll never last. It'll, only, it'll always be temporary. We need to love God because when we love God, it directs us in a supernatural way to love others. And that's the, that, that means the way that we engage with this election. A lot of us in this room probably, I, I'm not going to make any judgments, but I'm guessing that the vast majority of us are not happy with the, the result of the election. And, and, and it's, it's going to be hard for us, maybe some of us, to think of how, what, the, what our future looks like with a new president, with a new world that we're going to be living in, different policies, different things happening. But I promise you 
that one of the ways that we as Christians can deal with this is by the way that we choose to love others through this. That we choose to not demean others. We don't get angry. We don't point fingers. We accept that God has put this person in office, and we continue to love God and to love others. We must do that. We must, we must not allow that to stop us from loving God and loving others. So I, I just think it's going, to, uh, it's going to be a hard thing in our lives, and especially maybe right now, our country's so divided. How, it's gonna, it might be hard for us to think about how we can really love others, even some that we might consider our enemies. But we know that, again, God is the one that genuinely gives us the hearts, the changed hearts that we can love other people. And so the gospel is the center of our lives. And if the gospel is the center of our lives, that means that we are going to first love God and then we are going to choose to love others. And so here's, uh, well, what I, I just want to think through with you just for a moment here at the end, how we can, can do this practically, how we can love God and love others as young people. Because I think sometimes we, we say these things, we, we agree with it with our heads, but how can we do this uh, practically? I want, I want to hear from you guys because I, I might not even have all the right answers for how I think you could do that. So how do you believe with the politics and, the, and this election we just had, how do you think that we can love God and love others as, as you, in your age by doing that? What do you think? Anybody have any thoughts? I'd really like to hear from you. Josie? Yeah? So what, what specifically? What's a specific way we can do that? Yeah, yeah. So showing that kind of obedience, like that direct, God called your family directly to do that, and you're obedient to that, and the world sees that, right? He sees your obedience, and I think that's really great. I, I'm very thankful for your family and that calling. Josie, thank you for sharing that. Anybody else? How else do you feel like we can love God and love others as young people? Adults, you can jump in too if you want to say anything. Good thought. How, how, <laughs> that would not, not be the easiest thing, but it definitely would be a thing that would show the gospel love, right? That we would choose to befriend people that disagree with us on these positions, right? That may have voted differently, may have thought differently. Obviously, you guys haven't voted, but your parents may have, and you may have your thoughts on who you thought should win the election. So befriending people that disagree with us. And honestly, let me tell you, it has been a, a great blessing to me in my life that I have chosen to have friends and, and, and engage with people that disagree with me. It has sharpened me. It, is, it has helped me to really think through issues deeply and have a very strong, um, I was able, I've been able to communicate much in a much stronger way my beliefs because of being around people and engaging with people that think differently than me. We can't just stay around people that agree with us all the time. Other thoughts on how we can love God and love others? Amber? Not an easy thing to do, right? Can't, it's, it, it's, it's good for us to not react automatically with anger. And I, I have to be honest. I had somebody post something two days ago that was very nasty, and my first gut instinct was to fire back. That, that would be sometimes my tendency to do that. 
but I didn't do that this time. And I feel like the Lord is, is growing me in that area of not just wanting to fire back when people write, post things or say things, but it, it's important for us to control our emotions. One of the things we can do as Christians is it, to show the gospel love is, is to control our emotions when we disagree with others. Anybody, any other students, would you like to share a, a way you feel like you can love God or love others? All right. So what does the gospel message teach us about, uh, about this idea of the, the cultural idea of the election or, or interacting with government? So I, I just really think that um, we can put stocks in, stock in things of this world that maybe, maybe it's our political candidate, maybe it's our votes, maybe it's the political positions. Those things do matter. I don't want you to think tonight that those things are, don't matter. We, they do matter, but they are not necessarily gospel issues. They're not things that we need to put eternal stock in. Our choices in government and engagement and with loving God and loving others is to be led by the Holy Spirit that who lives inside of us as believers in Jesus. If we are, we are believers in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of here. He should guide us. We should read his, his written word. We should continue to uh, have other people around us that can hold us accountable and make us and help us think through these things but the holy spirit lives inside of us as christians and he should guide us day after day moment after moment in the way that we engage with these issues in these elections our attitudes should reflect humility and respect for those god has put in authority over us i want you to know that clearly tonight that the bible tells us that we should respect the authority that god has placed above us even if we don't always agree with them, even if it's difficult, even if it makes us angry sometimes, we need to respect the authority that God has placed over us. Our engagement should focus on two very important aspects, loving God and loving others. As we engage this current election season we've been in, as we think through the issues, as we continue to grow as Christians. Our greatest way of living out the gospel is first loving God and coming out of that a desire to really deeply love other people. No matter how, who they are, what they believe, what they think, we need to love them as, as Christ loves them. Would you pray with me as we close? Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to, to be here at Hype, and I thank you for these students that were here tonight. Lord, I pray that they will take away from here um, just the deeper desire to love you and to love others. But I, I also pray, Lord, that they will leave here tonight learning from your word the importance of engaging the world around them, to not run away from it, but also to understand that a lot of these political candidates and platforms and beliefs are not gospel issues. They're important, but they're not gospel issues, not eternal things that we should put stock in. And Lord, also that we'll understand that you have called us to respect the authorities that you have placed over us. Lord, I, I, I do want to pray. I, I, I'm going to, Lord. I, I want to pray for Joe Biden. I want to pray for Kamala Harris. Lord, I, I may not agree with their policies. I may not have voted for them. But Lord, I do desire for them to, to succeed. And I desire for them to, to follow things that you have called them to do. Maybe they aren't thinking that way right now, but Lord, maybe... You'll bring people into their lives that will direct them towards a deeper or a starting a relationship with you. So I pray for them as they come into leadership 
And Lord, I pray, and I, and Lord, I pray that you will give us all of a desire to continue to pray for them no matter what we think about them. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather tonight uh, to honor you in the way that we worship you. And so, Lord, I just pray tonight as we, we finish our time together with small groups, Lord, that you will help us to, to deeply think through this issue even more together as, in, in smaller groups. Lord, again, thank you for this church. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you for Kent and his leaders. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will continue to, to build this partnership between Crosspoint and, and Eureka Bible with our student ministries and our churches. Help us to be a gospel beacon and light for this community, Eureka, where you've placed us. Be with us as we go here tonight, and thank you so much for allowing us to read your, read your word and be challenged by it. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen.